You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. In today's show, we bring back one of our favorite guests and our salary cap guru, Troy from TexansCap.com. Welcome aboard, everybody. Robert Land, also host of the Houston Sports Talk podcast. My partner, Brian Patterson, is off for this one. Thanks for diving into your best daily source of Texans news, views, and interviews. And we got Troy from Texans Cap with us. And Troy, just uh, first of all, great to have you back with us. And, And let me get your initial reactions after the Colts game in the playoffs how did how did you feel uh just about the season and about where the Texans were after that game well it was a disappointing loss for sure I was actually at the game one of the first time first time I've been to a a game at the stadium so it was a unfortunate one to witness but I mean it it just seemed like Indianapolis had their number both on the offense and the defensive side of the ball they just Watson couldn't get comfortable. He couldn't get set. I mean, we've never seen him throw that inaccurately before. And it just looked like they weren't ready. Whatever game plan O'Brien came up with for that game was definitely not the answer. So it was an unfortunate loss. A season, you know, for 11 wins, despite whatever, however you want to view it, based on their opponents and their schedule, still a successful season. Now it's just to look forward to the offseason, figure out where they can improve, identify some gaps, and fill those holes in with either free agents or draft picks and and see where we can get for 2019. Yeah, I'd like to get your idea of what the game plan might be, but just to begin with, what do you think is going to be the biggest challenge for Brian Gain this offseason from a salary cap perspective? Well, I think getting... The Jadavion Clowney contract is probably going to be one of the more difficult tasks just be from the sheer size of what the contract is going to be. I put together a contract projection up on the web on TexansCap.com this morning based on market value, based on the other players at the position and the contracts they have, players like Khalil Mack, Von Miller, Justin Houston. Clowney's due for a very large contract, you know, Probably six years, 140 million with over 60 million guaranteed and over 90 million with injury or investing guarantees. So that's going to be his biggest challenge is trying to justify signing uh, Clowney to that size of a contract. So luckily they have the franchise tag in their back pocket that they can use to extend that negotiating window from March all the way out to July 15th. And if they can't reach a deal, then he'll just play on the on the franchise tag. So the van, franchise tag this year is worth, if he's earmarked as a defensive end, is worth around seventeen, a little over seventeen million. And then if he were to play a second year on the franchise tag, it'd be a little almost twenty one million. So you're looking at around thirty seven, thirty eight million for two years of playing on the franchise tag. What comes with that? It's hard to know. You you would have to expect Clowney to sit out you know, camp preseason, probably report right before the regular season to try to limit his exposure to any injuries or anything like that. How the locker room handles that. It's tough to know how the rest of the roster feels about Clowney, but it still does it show the locker room that you're not going to reward quality play with a, a market level contract. So that's, that's going to be his biggest juggling act to start with. Then beyond that, it's going to be deciding between Kareem Jackson and Tyran Matthew for the safety position. 
I really don't see the team signing both players back, especially with Howell on the team at a reasonable rate and, of course, Justin Reed, the rookie. So I think he's just going to have to determine which of those two players fits their scheme, fits what they want to do at the safety position. Matthew's only 27 years old. Jackson's 31. So you got to play that into play that into into the equation. Kareem Jackson being playing a lot of cornerback this year for the team. Will the rest of the league view him as a cornerback, or will the rest of the league view him as a safety? Because the market value between the two positions, from a dollar standpoint, is quite wide. So if they value him as a safety, that draws his price down. On top of it being a very loaded free agent market. With the safeties, you got Earl Thomas, you got LaMarcus Joyner, you got Adrian Amos, you got, of course, you got Matthew and Jackson, Trey Boston, you got Haw, Clinton Dix out of Washington. There's just a number of quality safeties that are going to be on the free agent market. So that might drive the number down, as we saw with last year. So that would be step number two, is trying to determine which player we're going to bring back, at what price value we're going to bring back, bring that player back at. And step three is looking at the tackle market. It's pretty pretty bleak, unfortunately, once again, as it was last year. I would like to see the team bring back Chantrell Henderson for another shot at the right tackle position. Beyond that, I really don't know if they'll go out to the market and be, do any heavy spending at the tackle position. There really just isn't very many names. And the ones that are out there, Bobby Massey, Donovan Smith, Jawan James out of Miami. So due to the limited market, you're going to have to severely overpay for a, a tackle in the free agent market. So it might just be better just to bring back Sean Shaw Henderson and then really attack the draft to cover up your deficiencies because we know it looks like Martinez Rankin's going to move into guard. I don't see the team giving up on Davenport at left at left tackle. So the right tackle is the main main position that they're going to have to address on the offensive line. So that's your three main steps for the offseason. In addition to that, a position group that's not really getting talked about is defensive line. They have three free agents that are coming from the defensive line group. So you have to decide, do I want to bring back Christian Covington or Angela Blackson or Brandon Dunn? But what the team really doesn't have is – a true inside interior three down guy, kind of like DJ reader. You need another DJ reader in that front seven to can play both the pass and the rush. Cause what the team was having to do this year was they were having to rotate in between Blackson and Dunn and Covington and reader. And so if they got one group was good at pass rush and the other two were good at holding the run. Of course, when the run stuffers were on the field, they were no pass rush whatsoever. And when the pass rush group's on there, we're just getting gouged by the run. So they need a true interior guy to match up with DJ Reader with what he does. Whether that comes for the free agent market or the draft, the draft is supposedly loaded at the defensive line position. So that would probably be the four main groups that he needs to look at. And then beyond that, it's looking at Demarius Thomas, how you want to handle that situation. He's due to make $14.5 million this year, but with the Achilles injury, there's a very good chance that Demarius Thomas doesn't even come back for the whole 2019 season, coming off that injury late in, in, a, late in the season like that. 
unfortunately, this is what gets us into the very hard part of the business, the very the rough side of the business, or if they have to go ahead and release Demarius Thomas with the uh, failed physical designation. There's a lot of cap savings from that. There's some miscellaneous injury protection money associated with it, but it's minimal in nature. If you're releasing him, then you, you only have Vincent Smith behind Will Fuller, so you probably need to look to the market to find another wide receiver that can add depth to either a speed guy that can come in and backfill for Fuller if he gets hurt again. And honestly, I mean, I know Hopkins has been as durable as any wide receiver we've ever seen, but you still need an insurance policy behind him as well. So I think you definitely need to look at depth along the wide receiver group. And then from there, it's just small holes, whether it's a draft, it's running back. I mean, they've got areas to address. Oh, oh yeah. It, there's so much. I, I want to hit on, uh, go back to some of the specific stuff. And I, and, and I also want to go back to, to the clowny stuff, but just uh, remind everybody that um, really quickly that, we have on the Lock On Podcast Network, LockedOnPodcast.com is our big site, so you can see all of our shows that are available, the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, just in the neighborhood of 100 podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network, college shows, national fantasy and draft shows. Again, that's Locked On Podcast, that's Locked On Podcast, plural with an S, LockedOnPodcast.com. All right, Troy, uh, one of the things that, going back to the, the clowny situation, with the contract, you know, I, I guess the way I look at it is if you're the Texans, you've got some time with Deshaun Watson, but there's not much time, I, I believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, they've got maybe three more years. So if you front-loaded Clowney's contract over the next three years, like what is that what you would do and what would you see as the numbers just in those first three years as far as how you would allot it with a combination of the salaried money and uh, the signing bonus, you know, just kind of guaranteed money over those first three years, maybe maybe even a year by year if you can if you've thought about that. If you look at the article we put up on Texan Cap, we put up two contract proposals. And so the first proposal does exactly what you're talking about. It's leveraging the next two years of Watson being on a rookie contract. And then the following two years of the Clowney proposal, year three, year four, the cap charges drop down to account for the team re-signing Watson to a new contract. So if we look at the proposal that we we have on here, six years worth $142 million. So that's an average per year of $23.75 million. So in year one, you're looking at a $10 million signing bonus, a $12 million uh, base salary, a lump sum roster bonus of $9.25 million and some per-game roster bonus. So that equates to a cap charge of $24 million in 2019. That's 12.3% of the cap. That's a pretty big number. Go 2020, we tack on a base salary of 17.25 with a $9 million roster bonus. Comes together with some other additional prorations of the signing bonus and some per game roster bonus money it's a cap charge of 29 million that's a big number that's almost 15 percent of the cap now that's a projection based on i think i used a 200 million dollar nfl cap which that might even be bigger so that's first two years you're looking at 12 and a half percent and 14 and a half percent of your cap for one player that's taking advantage of the fact that watson is going to be three and five percent of your cap in those same two years in year three of the proposal, $18 million base, 
no lump sum roster bonus. The cap charge drops down to $20.75 million. That's 9.8%. So now you're getting back into the manageable area where you want your superstars to be around that 12, 11, 10% number. This actually drops down below 10. And if you could take out that signing bonus money by year three, it gives you the option of, you know, if he's if he's declining, if he starts getting injured, you get the option of just releasing him all together and just uh, taking that cap money and just knocking it off, period. Right. So with this proposal, we have some rolling guarantees and that's all broken down in the article. But you would have a, a small window after the 2020 season. You would take on a decent amount of dead money, but there is an out after two years. You would still take on some dead money, but there is a way, like you mentioned, to get out of it. If it's just not performing up to what your what your standards are, then you can get out. But if he stays and he's playing well, then that year three and year four of this contract, he's below 10% of your cap. That's when Deshaun Watson's coming in and he's due for a new contract. And you can take advantage of that low low spending threshold on Clowney. So at the moment, tell tell people how much that they have allotted for next year. Maybe there's going to be some money that's going to be freed up if you release somebody, but how much is there allotted and how much cash will be available? And, and, and how does that compare to the other 32 teams around the NFL? I think they're number sixth in the league with about 65, 64 million in cap space. That includes having Kevin Johnson and Deme- uh, Demarius Thomas on the on the book. So if you remove both of those players alone, Kevin Johnson has a cap charge of 9.069 million and Demarius Thomas of 14 million. So you remove, remove those two guys and you're looking at another $22 million in cap savings right there off the top. So you add that into the 65, you're back up to 85, 87 million in cap space. And if you do a if Clowney gets the tag, that's $17 million off of that. So you're still well in the upper upper 60s, lower 70s with plenty plenty of money to do what you need to do. Yeah, and, and everybody, I think, assumes that it's an either-or either with Kareem and Ty Matthew. And I, I'm just not of the belief that any team's going to go out there and play pay a ton of money to Kareem Jackson as a cornerback. I mean, it's it's he's just not, I think, a plus cornerback. I mean, he's, he's at best average. So if you look at Kareem Jackson as a safety and you look at Ty Matthew as a safety, neither one of those positions, they, they just couldn't get any money. I think it, it's, it's for some reason that market for safeties getting money just isn't there. Now, maybe maybe that changes for some reason this offseason, but I don't think you're going to have to spend a ton of money. And, and, and you're right. I mean, that, that Kevin Johnson and Demarius, that, that's gone. I mean, there's no way. Those guys are still around. There's no way they're paying that money. So, you know, that to, I, I'm thinking that's a lot of money right there, isn't it? Uh, based on other NFL franchises that they do have available? Yeah, that, I mean, that puts them in the top five among among available cap dollars across the league. I think the, cap, the Colts are number one with just a obscene amount of cap dollars, over $100 million. But the Texans have more than enough money in the cap dollar area to do what they need to do. If even if it means retaining both Matthew and Jackson, they can probably swing that no problem and sign Clowney or do the tag on Clowney and still bring in a free agent tackle or re-sign Henderson or bring in a couple of the free agents. They can definitely do what they need to do. The cap cap space is not going to not going to hold them back on what they need to do this offseason. Right. And and we we made the suggestion, or at least I have made the suggestion for sure that Whitney Merciless is on the books for $7 million. And I like Whitney Merciless as a human being. 
And I like Whitney Merciless as a player. If you're going to play him uh, the way he should be played, he was in coverage too much. Uh, he's terrible at it. He needs to be solely a guy that rushes the passer with his skill set. I mean, if you put him in coverage, it should be next to none. And the Texans just haven't figured out a way to use him, Clowney, and J.J. Watt at the same time. I, I have the I had the suggestion of just trade him. You know, you should be able to get a third or fourth round pick for Whitney Merciless, and I think he's still a really good player if he's playing where he should be playing. And that's another seven million dollars that you might be able to allocate towards something else. And the other thing about uh, you know doing that with Whitney Merciless is I think Duke Edgefor is the same guy, except just a much cheaper option at this point. Uh, do, do, do you have any feeling one way or another on that? I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, the team just didn't use him correctly, whether that was out of necessity with injuries at the linebacker core and how they had to shift around the safety group and move Kareem back to cornerback. If it was they just wanted to keep Clowney and Watt on the edges instead of moving Watt inside and letting merciless play on the outside it really didn't make a whole lot of sense the way they utilized merciless this year as much as they had him off the off the line of the scrimmage dropping into coverage that's not the position he plays that's not what he does he uh, he has the bend he is a great edge rusher he holds the edge on rushes and on getting the ball when they want to bring it outside he holds the edge he can bend around those tackles and get back to the quarterback as we saw in the first couple three years of his career it really did not make any sense of how they used him. So you hit the nail on the head. They either need to they either need to decide we're going to use him where he will exceed, where he will excel and do well, or they need to find a trade partner and put him somewhere where he can succeed elsewhere and get back some draft compensation. You nailed it perfectly. I mean, you may not get a whole lot for him. I mean, he's got one year left on his contract, so whoever gets him – is going to either have to negotiate a new contract with him or take a chance of having a one-year rental. But, I mean, you're missing a fourth-round a fourth round pick this year from the Demarius Thomas trade. So maybe it's, like you said, a late late day, day two pick or an early day three pick. Backfill that missing draft pick with uh, if you need to move on to Merciless. You can tell at the end of the season during interviews, he, he just wasn't happy. He was not, he was not very – he didn't seem very pleasant based on how he was utilized this year. So they need to figure out something. Okay, if anybody, just a reminder, if anybody is interested in reading more about uh, what Troy has got, go to texanscap.com. That's texanscap.com. All right, Troy, let me get into the meat of, you know, just what would you do? You know, you're you're Brian Gain this offseason. You know, how do you uh, attack the offseason um, what do you do with the first round pick, the two second round picks? Where do you put your priority? Um, maybe even, you know, third round pick, like what, what are you looking for there? If, if you can possibly pick it up and where, where do you think the Texans can help themselves in free agency? You know, th- I think there's some positions in free agency that are almost impossible to find like offensive line. There's other positions that are much easier. So how do you kind of approach things if you're Brian Gain? Well, definitely, like we talked about, offensive line and cornerback are your first two, first two areas of need. So you're right. Offensive tackle is going to be very difficult to address through the free agency without severely overpaying somebody. So that's where you bring back Sean Charles Henderson, and then you look at the draft. It's either cornerback or tackle 
in the first three round in the first two rounds. You got three picks there. So two of those picks need to be most likely need to be a cornerback, preferably a guy that can run and play man coverage, and an offensive tackle that fits the the scheme and the mold that the Houston likes with the very long tackles like like Julian Davenport and Chantrell Henderson. So that's that's where you need to look there. If they need to look at the free agent market for cornerback, there are some names out there. Pierre Desir up in Indianapolis. He's very good, coming on strong, but he's more of a zone type cornerback. So I'm not sure if that's going to exactly work here with what we need. Bradley Roby out of Denver is another name to look at. And Tremaine Brock out of Denver is another possibility. And if you could even take a flyer on someone like Jason Verrett out of San Diego, who was initially a first-round pick but has missed the last two seasons due to lower leg injuries, there's some names out there that you can bring in on a two- or three-year deal or someone like a Morris Claiborne. He's going to be a little more expensive, but Morris Claiborne up out of the New York Jets, he had a successful last two years out of there. So there's some stop gaps to bring in to help fill fill the defensive back position, but you're still going to have to hit the draft hard and hit it right. So whether to me, the first round needs to be a cornerback. I see all these mock drafts. Everybody is tackle, 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 tackle. If one of the tackles is there, great. If one of the cornerbacks is there, great. At this point, you're taking the best player available out of those two position groups. And then you jump into the second round, same thing. Either cornerback or a tackle, opposite of what you took in the first round, preferably, and just load up on those two positions. Another area that appears to be strong in this draft is tight end. And I know Texans took tight end in the last two picks, in the last draft with two picks. But Ryan Griffin, in my opinion, probably needs to be released in this offseason. And the team really needs a blue chip type athletic tight end that can play three downs can get out in the run down the seam with speed and make some catches so it wouldn't shock me to see him use a third round pick on either a tight end or speedy running back someone a change of pace type back that can work with uh, Deontay Foreman going forward if the team decides to move on from Lamar Miller so running back depth needs to be addressed through the draft and tight end depth needs to be addressed through the draft and then if Wide receiver, you can look at either there's going to be a ton of veteran wide receivers available in free agency. So that's one area the team can look at. Because if you draft them, it, it takes, as we've seen, it takes a couple of years for for a wide receiver coming out of college to to get a hold of the system and get going. So, I mean, if you, you don't need a top-tier guy. If you were able to pull in someone like an Adam Humphreys or a uh, John Brown from from Baltimore – Andre Roberts out of the Jets, who's a very good return guy. Philip Dorsett coming from the Patriots. He's a speedy guy that can probably backfill for Will Fuller. That would kind of be my overall plan is attack the draft for your for your tackle and your cornerback. Find you one right tackle in free agency. Find you a starter cornerback in free agency. And then the rest of your draft picks, you're just going through best player available. I agree with way too much of what you just said right there. We're on the same page on a lot of that stuff, which is uh, interesting. Um, Last thing, do you feel like O'Brien needs to hire a new offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator? A offensive coordinator, period, I should say, or defensive coordinator. I think he needs to bring in somebody that will help him 
game plan a little bit better. I don't, I'm not big on him needing another player, another person calling plays. It either needs to be him or Sean Ryan calling plays. Watson needs that common out, that common voice that he's heard for the last two years calling the plays to him. If he wants to bring in a young, innovative play caller to help design plays, to help make the game plan and drawing up the first 25 plays of the game, that would be outstanding. But I just don't think that O'Brien's going to give up play calling. And if he does, it's going to be Deshaun Ryan because the guy's been there coaching Watson this year and in Bill O'Brien's ear listening to every play. So I don't think they'll bring in an OC. If anything, just bring in another another play designer, some like a offensive advisor type type person. On the defensive side, I I think I think Romeo Cornell's fine. I think he's gonna I think he'll be here at least another year despite him being seventy two years old. So it doesn't look like the fires died out with him yet. And I think they just need to re readjust the the secondary, get it managed correctly, because the way they managed the the secondary this offseason or this past regular season was just really bad, really poor. So they really need to shore that up and give Cornell the personnel that he needs to make this defense successful like we've seen him do time and time again. This defense can be a, a top five group. Even with the group that they have out there, they just need to fill in a couple of holes to shore up some things, and then they'll be ready to go. Well, the time always goes too fast with you, Troy. Uh, again, just a reminder to everybody, it's TexansCap.com. Go read more. He's got the Judavian Clowney piece that he was re- referring to, and it's there's it's way more extensive than we got into here. It's very interesting. And also, he does a salary cap preview as well on the website. So go check that out. And uh, just can't tell you how much... We enjoy talking with you every time you come on the show, Troy. Oh, thanks for having me, Robert. Just a reminder, before we wrap things up, that uh, go to LockedOnTexans.com. Check out all of our work over there, uh, Houston Sports Talk. That's my podcast. Uh, go subscribe to that if you haven't already. That's all we got for this one. Thanks for making us a part of your week. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah.